welcome to Flow with Flow, a contemporary dance podcast speaking to artists, performers and everybody in between. You can follow me on flow underscore wt underscore flow underscore. You'll find more information there and please message me, get involved, have a chat and I really hope you enjoy the podcast. Today we are speaking to drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. John Dovel from Nocturne Dance. Woo! I'm actually the only crowd. Actually, you guys can be the crowd. Okay, you have to uh, like pretend to clap when I say the crowd goes wild, and the crowd goes wild. If I can work out how to use sound effects, I'll get the sound effects of all of everyone that listens clapping as well. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all. I'm all right. Lovely. Yeah. For some reason, headphones aren't working. You know, it's it's funny you said that because I've just got from back from my parents' house and left my headphones there. So we're both headphoneless. <laughs> That's okay. Weirdly, it was like, it's perfectly working on the Mac, but yeah. then just Zoom does not like it. Doesn't like it. And it's no. one of those things, there's probably a setting deep in, in the Zoom world where you can make it work, but who knows? Who, who knows, knows what that setting is? Who knows? How are you, Flo? I'm good, thank you. I've just gone back from uni. How are you? I'm okay. So what year are you in now at I'm Northern? in second year. Right. I did the foundation course as well, though. So I'm in my third year at Northern, but second year of this degree, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So been yeah. here a while, been here a little while. What have you done today? Um, what have I done today? Actually, I've had my different hat, hat on. I've been web designing oh. today. Yeah. Very nice. So that's been nice. I've just been able to sit and clinking plonker with my computer and not think any dance stuff. Yeah, well... Sorry to ruin that because <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Yes, projects with Nocturne at the moment. Any big things you're up to? Um, that is an interesting question, Flo. I would say at the moment we are in I'm in a state of transition. Okay. Um the company's relocating from the southeast to up to Scotland. And I've got a new project, uh, which I I was working on as part of my DYCP from Arts Council. Uh, so it's now in that state of uh, talking with venues, funders, organisers, to try and get that art, next Arts Council application in to basically take um what i think is a really interesting new approach to storytelling dance storytelling amazing can i ask why you're relocating um <laughs> i'm getting old or i am older um and i've been so yes i'm 54 now and i think it's time to have a little bit of a fresh change and scotland for me is just beautiful scenery i like walking it's just ideal. 
And so it's it's time for a change. Scotland is, from what I've heard, absolutely amazing. I can sadly say I've never been. Oh, no. no. Oh, well, there you go. You'll have to visit. Well, now I've got an excuse to. <laughs> Definitely. Can you talk through what the company do? Is it like little classes? Do you do projects that you tour, that sort of thing? What's the what's the general vibe? Yeah. So Nocturne, as well as Strapline, is Later Life Dancers, Digital Adventures. So it's two things. Firstly, I'm really uh, focused about participation, especially for adults. And that's most probably because of my um, journey into dances, you know, is not the traditional journey. Um, So over the last, well, since 2007, when I set up the company, it's been very much focused about giving adults or the community in more generally, um, the opportunity to create art and be part of the process. I suppose I looked at, at the time, I looked at dance companies, and I personally, I felt then that um, outreach, as it's called, um, was a tag-on thing for, uh, generally for dance companies, instead of integrated into it. I think that's changed a lot, but I was very keen that I I wanted to make sure that that was part of my practice from the get-go. Um, And then the other big strand is that I'm about uh, technology, innovation, using tech in interesting ways to tell stories. Usually it's about social commentary, about how things like your mobile phone are impacting on our lives. Um, And I suppose uh, the work that I've done is ironic in that usually the audience is using the bit of tech that I'm talking about to tell a story. Um, And yes, uh, I suppose uh, 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 I sit, I would say I sit in two different camps. I straddle over two. I sit in the dance camp and also sit in technology. I'm not 100% technology and I'm not 100% dance. I'm somewhere like in this gray area as like a lone individual or feels an awful lot of times like a lone individual doing my own thing in a kind of weird way, um, but really enjoying it. I think that's the best way to do things, surely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I I think everybody should find what their USP is and then go with it. Amazing. And how did the company come about? It came about, Flo, that I knew when I was training at Laban that when I came to the end of my course there, that at that point I was 40. What company is going to employ, what dance company is going to employ a 40-year-old dancer? Um, Not many. So the, you know, the work landscape was scary. Um, And so I knew that actually the best way forward was to set up myself and make my own opportunities. So hence, that's why I set up Nocturne and thought that would be the easiest way to make things happen. <laughs> I thought that. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Retrospect, retrospect, I might go back and change that. Yeah, I don't think starting up your own company is, is necessarily easy. No, I think you've got to be a special kind of fool to be able to do that. Um, And that 
took us quite nicely onto how you got into dance. So your life before dance, what made you want to train at 40? Um, um, the answer to that would be if you turn back the clock, you have to think about like, uh, so as in the 80s, it, from the northeast, you know, uh, just outside of Newcastle, a, a gay boy wanting to dance, you know, saying that sentence, totally not the thing. A, being gay, not a great thing. And also wanting to go into performing or, or dancing, also not a great thing. So actually, you know, there was no support from family. There was no support from schools. There was no no peer support. Um, so it, it was just, a, it was a dream um, that unfortunately at the time, you know, was just not an option. No. Um, and my parents, uh, they were very much focused on that I had to do a proper job. And then if I wanted to do the thing that I wanted to do, um, I could do that. Um, and also linked in with that, I was terrified, you know, you know, and uh, as everybody is about that first step into a dance studio is I'm just going to be really rubbish. And, you know, everybody's going to be way better than I am. Um, so it took me until I was 30. And the story that I tell everybody is that on my 30th birthday, I had a conversation with myself and said, if I got to time to my retirement age, would there be any regrets? And I didn't need to finish that statement. Um, I knew I just always wanted to dance or create in dance. Um, so I, I, I plucked up the courage and I went to Morley College in London, which was an adult evening education place. Did one class for one term, following term, um, I was then doing five different styles. Um, and then I suppose over the, so the, what, like the following eight years was going from one thing to another that was either evening based or weekend based. And it just got to a point where there was nothing left. There was no other opportunities, no other kind of forms of fund uh, uh, training that was available um and luckily enough throughout that journey I, I just had really inspirational teachers who were there to kind of push me just when I needed to and I just got the push and said you, you know you should you should apply for Laban um and it just so happened at the same time that normal work full-time work in the civil service they were making redundancies so I took a redundancy from that and then went off to follow this new dream that's such a, a beautiful story I think it it sort of um, maybe reminded me a little bit of how lucky um me and a lot of people in my industry have been to be able to have an opportunity young um yeah and a reminder that that isn't what everyone can have yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which I think yeah. it's a very important thing to remind ourselves. Um, yeah, absolutely. And talking about, so you sort of followed this passion, created this company, and now working with other later life dancers. Yep. Is that like giving opportunity to people that haven't danced, or is it working with people that have trained? 
Um, all, all, yep. and also, you know, I've done an awful lot of primary school work as well. Um, so it's, it, I suppose um, from my personal experience, it's just coming into the room or the space with anybody who wants to dance and being able to um, break down that um, attitude that it might anybody might feel that it's too late. I'm able to go, actually, I started really late and I've been able to achieve this. So nobody should, everybody should feel that you, know, you can start dancing at any age. Of course, dancing is inherently human. Everyone can. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I really don't regret my journey because actually what I find is that thankfully, because of my time in business, that has supported me a lot more in this journey of running a company mm-hmm. than I see um, younger people who have just come through the, the straight from school route suffer or have problems kind of having to, to find a way once you leave full-time training and you're on your own. What do you think people like that that have come from you know, a, a background where they've been able to dance, even if that's a little bit, you know, like um, not as a kid, more as a teenager and that has gone to training as a younger person. What do you think people like that can do to ensure that the industry supports people that don't have that? I think it's uh, my perception or if I was in the room, I would turn to them and say, don't expect the uh, organization that's training you to provide you with the skills that you need. Also, don't expect the dance industry in its in its own landscape to have all the answers that you also need. And you've got to feel, you've got to think you need to build your toolkit from a wide resource. You've got to learn um, about business. You've got to learn about finance. You've got to learn about marketing. You've got to spend that time because um, at some point you're going to need to do it for yourself. Dance is not just about being creative within the dance studio. And I suppose I look at my time and think uh, 20% might be in the studio and the rest of the 80% is actually the nuts and bolts and the background working of on a computer doing um, other stuff. Other logistical stuff, making it work. Yeah, yeah. Negotiating with people, writing a business plan, writing your marketing, all you know, all the stuff that you most probably are not going to get when you're enjoying that physicalness of being in a dance studio. Yeah, which a lot of people, in, very much including myself, don't want to hear because we don't want yeah, to yeah, finance things. Yeah. We want to be in the studio. Yeah. But you've got to jump through hoops <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Yeah, you do. So you've, as, a, as someone starting training later and building such an amazing sort of really find the community to go to and who were those people at first um that's interesting uh how did I find them I don't think I found them I think they found me Mm -hmm. um 
I think what's been really important is that, you know, kind of coming up to, you know, uh, saying goodbye to some people, you know, who I've been with for years, um, is reflecting on that journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's key for my practice is that I've always been authentic or I felt felt personally authentic throughout that. So I've never felt that I've needed to be somebody else other than myself. So I'll show warts and all when in a, in a space uh, teaching or creating. Um, I think that hopefully is therefore open doors for people to feel that it's okay for them to f- go through that process. Um, and then I've also, you know, uh, is it for me, uh, that adult evening class is a, a a good way of potentially finding employees or other people who I can work with. And it feels like, obviously, within the dance industry, this is changing, I guess, now, but especially back in the day, there was a lot of you dance until you're 30 and then stop. Why do you think that has been the case, firstly? And what can we do to continue to challenge that? Um, That has been the case because of, I would feel, the aesthetic of dance. Mm. It's it's about uh, being able to maintain how that performance looks at at peak. Um, and yes, as we grow older, our body changes and adapts in different ways. Um, I also feel, most probably currently, uh, my bugbear <laughs> is that looking at social media feels that what comes across is expertise is fast movement and tricks not artistry Um, and slow and beautiful movement that doesn't necessarily need you to travel or do any tricks is just as beautiful it's more about the it's more important about the storytelling and the authentic uh, the intention of the movement Um, so yeah yes what could we do uh, more is I think we could celebrate more the uh, adult later life dancers creating work I I think the struggle for that flow is that uh, adult dance so for adult dance for me is kind of going that you're uh, 18 20 up to you know 50 mark is not a a, a funding uh, stream. It's not on many people's agendas because uh, that bracket you are working and therefore you have money. So you should be able to pay to go and do dance. So we have to, like a, a lot of programs which are about uh, young people, which is totally valid. And then we've also got lots of programs which are about later life dancers, which is totally valid. And then we've got like this big mammoth gap and I for me it feels like actually we should just see 
dancers and quality dance and participatory dance in all its forms from you know birth to death yeah absolutely i mean so much comes from diversity from movement having one body type isn't it's not needed no and if your aesthetic is having a specific body type then I mean, maybe, maybe you need to be, I don't know. I, I don't think there's much space where that's a healthy decision, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or a decision that comes from a positive place. Yeah. Um, I've also, I would say also on that, that, uh, you know, as well as celebrating about the timeline of life mm. is also widening the lens of who we get to see. Um, you know, it's, it, it comes across as very narrow. Um, you know, sadly, it's also very male and very white. Your choreographers who are like classed as the peak or the top. And we should be seeing more diversity and more range in that. Yeah, because also speaking on the male side of it, there's, I would say, what, like 5% of people in training, maybe 10% are male. Mm -hmm. um and therefore there are more opportunities and it's easier or maybe not easy it's still very challenging and everyone has their individual challenges but there is more um, opportunity for men to make make it in different ways that other gendered people aren't um yeah which i mean personally i have quite strong views on i guess <laughs> but um, <laughs> um but yeah, there's a lot of change that needs to happen in the dance industry. I guess the perspective I came, I come from as a woman is mainly that perspective. And then seeing your company, I also wanted to sort of hear from a perspective of the age issues as well. Um, but it's interesting you brought up the gender as well. I guess they're all interlinked in some yeah. way, shape and form, having sort of this idealistic person and body on stage. Um, I also had a conversation recently with someone that said their belief with what a barrier is for later life dancers is that dance doesn't always bring the money and the lifestyle that people want. And when you're later in your life and you have people to look after, you have kids to care for, you have a mortgage to pay, it's Firstly, for some people, not an option. And for other people, even if it is an option, it isn't uh, a sort of life that gives what they want. You know, it's not a... Yeah. 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 Yes. No, that's totally, totally true. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's uh, more problematic um, because of our funding mechanisms. Um you know, I suppose as, as, as at 54, yes, I don't want to turn around and say, I want to be employed for four weeks with a company. I need to know that actually my pension is being paid and I need a regular income per month. And I've also, at 54, got to a standard, a, you know, a living standard. You think, well, you want to maintain that. 
Yeah, that's um, the word I was looking for, I think, living standard. Yeah, and I suppose coming into thinking about writing applications, you still have to go, it's got to be those four weeks. As an older, as an older dancer, a full day of dancing doesn't work for me anymore. So how, how do you shift this concept of how you structure a project when usually funders are still focused on a lens of that it's about um, a younger generation and, um, or that, yeah, it's just focused more on, you can do nine to five or, you know, 10 o'clock till six, six days a week and boom, that's what you need to do. And working, and four weeks, that's even, in, in the current industry, even four weeks would be like a long project. Yeah. Like, and it's one thing being 25 and working a 12-hour day dancing on a different project every week. But as you say, there are actually very few people that can do that. And not even just later-life people, like even someone with a type of illness that can do Shibakani was saying there's certain things on a Tuesday but not that same thing on the next Wednesday and how can we restructure dance so it's actually available because it's easy to say we're accessible but how can we rejig the the system to be like projects can be longer and they can be two days a week yeah yes yeah 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 the goal (laughs) Um, you know, there's no, I don't think I've got an answer for that. Um, I, th- I think it's even more challenging being a rural company because there's limited workforce or quality of limited workforce available. So you're always having to factor in if you need to get um, a workshop leader or a dancer, they're most probably not going to be on your patch. So they're having to come from somewhere else. So you've got to utilize their time really wisely. So turning up for half a day is not not really an option. No. But actually as a participant or as an older dancer, that's really what I'm, I'm wanting. I want a long, I want a long program to make work. I want to spend a year making a piece of work over a longer pe- pe- uh, period of time then think I've got to do it in the space of two weeks and then totally damage my body. Yeah, and I guess it's sort of our job in the industry to look at who is funding these things and how we can talk to them about changing systems and giving other options. Um, Yeah, because I don't see why they couldn't fund a year process, but in smaller segments if you know what i mean yeah Mm. i I don't think no i don't think that it's a problem i think it comes down to money yeah if you do if you spend time dreaming of that ideal budget or or that ideal program the costs suddenly just skyrockets and then i suppose you're then looking at it um if we're looking at from like an arts council lens you're thinking, well, um, the participation or t- number of people does not kind of equate to the amount of time that you're spending to do this project. 
Yeah. Really, we just want loads of nice big funders to give us loads of money to be able to do this work. Let's just get given millions of pounds, please. Yes, but that's not going to happen. So what's great about our industry is that we do find ways to make things happen. Yeah. It might not be perfect, um, but we do have that tenacity to adapt. Absolutely which is amazing. And we've spoken about a little bit about the struggles. Tell me some of your favorite things about working with Later Life. Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a tricky one, Flo. Um, I think, you know, truthfully, uh, both bring, you know, great experiences. Um, I, I suppose what really pleases me or makes me think this is what I really want to do, an example, is that our uh, adult community company, Alume, is that they own, so they meet like uh, once a week. They have like a contemporary class first, and then they've got an hour after that to make work. And we've got 10 weeks. And in that 10 weeks, it's it's just really fantastic and uh, rewarding to see that their creativity in the space of that hour, it somehow magically usually makes a five minute piece at the end of it that, is, you know, kind of goes on stage and performs and for, for me feels like really high quality and um, is less about me giving material. It's more about just being the facilitator of them to produce that material. And I think if yeah. they didn't have life experience, that that wouldn't happen. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And if you could speak to the younger generation of dancers, what would you like to say if there's something about our use of technology, how we have accessibility in our spaces, what we're wearing, anything, anything like. you like? First thing. <laughs> And this most probably controversially, I might turn around to say, don't do it. Why? <laughs> Why? Because I think uh, the, the resilient and really tenacious in the room will ignore what I say and continue. I, from my experience, it feels like you need that fire in your belly to be able to survive this industry. Mm -hmm. So if you can't ignore me saying that at the beginning, you know, you may as well save your time and not do the training. Um, I, would have, I would turn around to you and say, make sure you've got an amazing work ethic. What do I mean by that? I mean that um uh be proactive you know help yourself help the person that you're working with 
things don't come to you and you should not expect them to happen to you. Be that open, inquisitive mind in the studio and that you're committing to that project no matter what what is asked of you. Yeah. Um, as long as you're on yeah, as long as you're asked the right things though. Um, as we said earlier, then I'd also say, yeah, build your toolkit. Think about wider, about finding something that is going to support you outside of this dance. You know, so you've got some other skill that, you you know, because I know from my experience that, yes, some days I'm, I've got my dance hat on and then other days I'm as a business hat, graphic designer, web designer, you know, you name it. It's like pulling all these different skills that I've learned. I'm going, I'm going to do this and that keeps the wolves from the door financially. Um, I'd say to you, listen to others, listen to elders and those who've got experience, and then also don't listen to them. Take what you what you need from them, you know, kind of respect what they've done, understand the landscape that you're in, and then find your own path and go, what do you want to do? And definitely don't listen to anybody who turns around and says, no, you can't do it. Well, it's not practical. Well, it's not going to happen. Just be really stubborn and make it happen. Um, and what else? I would say if you're thinking of starting a company, <laughs> don't do it on your own. Okay, that's interesting. Why not? Um, it's incredibly lonely and it's tough. And I think you've got to be a special, special kind of individual <laughs> to be able to continue to do that and find a way through. I think it works. If you can find somebody who's got like the same artistic intention or focus that you kind of are able to gel with and do that journey together, because, you know, problem halved. Uh, you know all that I think it, it'll just make it more easier for you and make it more enjoyable of journey yeah um, final one Flo tech 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 uh, you know your computer your mobile phone um, online software Everything that you need to do to make brilliant art is at your fingertips. Use it and reconfigure it and find ways to tell stories in innovative ways that is not necessarily about dancing on a stage in an audience, in a theatre. It's having to think about uh, it bigger than that now to, because we all access our information through our phone. And we, you, everybody, anybody in the studio, anybody in training has got this, uh, hopefully this equipment to hand or is easy access to it. Uh, so you can make great work straight away. You just got to have the idea and then go for it. Amazing. Can you give me an example of what that looks like, like making work quickly on your, on your? Um, an example. So for, I'd say about 
One of my projects was Miss White, which was a Facebook story that was told. So it was um, a Facebook page uh, called Miss White. You talk to that character for two weeks and her story slowly unfurled over the two weeks by seeing images and talking to her and then video, which of course was dance content. And that's kind of going, you've got Facebook, you're able to access it. You can write some narrative and story. You've got your phone to take some photos and make a story. And then you could use your phone to video it, the material. And it's just kind of going, you know, you know, what is available to you? And then find a way that you can tell a story. Amazing. And that's such a a creative way of creating. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like my for my next piece um, is a is an interactive box which uses your phone in different ways. It just uses the technology, like the augmented technology in your phone, the light, this that is the screen, in different ways. Um, I th yeah, and that's only become. Uh, happens because you just you just got to be inquisitive about the things that are around you and interrogate it more don't take it for granted amazing well thank you so much for joining me today I'm really happy I've had your perspective on because I think it's it's difficult to find such like such different perspectives for me sometimes because I work with quite similar people. So yeah. I was really excited when I was able to contact you and talk about accessibility, later life dancers and all that jazz. And I really appreciate that. Well, thank you, Flo. It's been really lovely talking to you. Lovely. And I hope your move to Scotland is brilliant. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Thank you so much. And I hope you... Lovely. Thank you very much, Flo. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you had a really good time. I'll see you next Tuesday. And again, you can check out more on the Instagram. Flow underscore WT underscore flow underscore. And until then, goodbye.